Welcome or welcome back to Backstage at the Customer Experience. I'm your host, Kathleen Peterson, founder and chief vision officer of Powerhouse Consulting. I've spent over 30 years in the contact center industry and I've had the good fortune to work with some of the top customer focused companies across multiple industries. I speak about everything very candidly, particularly as it relates to delivering on the promises of the customer experience. From the C-level to the cube level, I've explored what it takes to deliver that five-star experience. This podcast is designed to share those experiences and some insights and have some fun along the way. Today's topic, Goodbye 2020, Lessons Learned and Good Riddance, I might add. Uh, I'm joined today by Powerhouse Senior Consultant, Dennis Hauser. Uh, and together, you know, we have, uh, I'd say, over 100 years of experience. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dennis is losing his hair and mine's gone gray. So <laughs> we, uh, you know, we're... We're, we're, we're discussing the joy we're experiencing with the departure of 2020. I think it's been a bitter disappointment for uh, most of us, but certainly a learning um, opportunity. Um, I think that this year had such a great name. That's the thing that really kills me. 2020, I mean, it even had a TV show named after it for all those years. And here we are, it'll just be, you know, remembered as kind of dark and dangerous, I think, for generations to come. Kind of makes me wonder what the writers of Back to the Future knew when Doc warned Marty, whatever happens, Marty, don't ever go to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> How did they know? I mean, for me, 2020 started with that emergency back surgery, um, you know, which was fabulously successful, thanks to the great surgical hands. Um, you know, but I didn't return to work till March 2nd, and then the 9th, everything shut down. <laughs> so uh, it would have looked like a short work year. <laughs> Until you know, we had to look at, uh, at at all the disruptions. It was it was crazy. I mean, um, Melanie and I, uh, my wife, we're, we were on vacation that that week that uh, the NBA canceled its season. So, the week that everything got really, really real, um, we were sitting on the beach in Miami, and every day got weirder and weirder and then the fly home after all of the news about you know infection rates and things like that it was it was scary times yeah we were supposed to be in new york on march 16th for that week and uh, i think it was probably you know just a few days before where the whole thing was just was just shut down i mean all the you know schools and and restaurants and social venues and work from home and projects stalled and you know n new experiences and initiatives you know were began were started up uh the verb zoom certainly took on some new meaning i only wish i'd bought that stock back in january when it was at about 66. i checked the other day it's at 450 dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh well another disappointment of 2020. um but I think the other thing that we that I that that I think we've all found is, you know, for us as advisors, you know, we're also observers of a lot of organizations, 
and I think we've seen some incredible uh, navigation through this crisis. And the number one takeaway that I have is really that disruption kind of exposes strengths and weaknesses. I think a lot of people got some some ugly insight into you know their environments uh, because the obstacles that they were facing thanks to you know thanks to COVID. Um, I don't know any company that had an actual operational pandemic level disaster recovery. You know, and I think the other thing that's funny is the business continuity term sort of took a hike and everyone's calling it disaster recovery. <laughs> Got back to the old, you know, good old fashioned terminology that tells it exactly like it is. Oh, I can I can certainly uh, confirm that my uh, experience with uh, Siemens uh, had so we had so many customers who the level of um, disaster recovery or business continuity depended on how many boxes they just wanted to check, um, you know, in their business plan. And um, they would check the bare minimum number of boxes. They wouldn't go back and, uh, you know, practice and do failovers and things like that. They they checked the box and moved on. Well, and I think the, you know, for a lot of them, they were really bare bones uh, plans that were sufficient for some temporary incidents, you know, weather conditions or building emergencies, but certainly have proven for many people to be insufficient over the long term and this whole pandemic situation. Um, you know, my observations say, you know, two things I think that I look at. I looked at leadership has, as being the greatest strength through this disruption. And kind of technology readiness almost being its greatest weakness. But I saw, and I'm sure you saw, we all have have observed um, incredible uh, response from a from a leadership perspective to tackle the elements that had to be lined up to react to this. And I think it was interesting. I think at first we had this almost stall of, is this really long? Is it think and thinking this is going to be kind of temporary? You know, we can go home for a couple of months with a laptop. So what? You know, that'll work. But I think we found there were a lot of challenges. Um, Yeah. COVID-19 has compressed time. Yeah. Long term has become short term. Well, you know exactly, and the um, it, it's interesting that it sort of went from the top to the bottom from a leadership perspective. Uh, I spoke to one woman who had uh, their contact centers. It's a financial institution. The contact centers are in uh, India and the Philippines, and Needless to say, there's not much work at home uh, in a lot of those uh, locales where those contact centers are situated. So they were stuck with no support and they crafted a, a plan to have every single human in their organization be trained to handle phone calls. And that included the CEO and the CIO. Well, I can 
as she explained it, in a matter of weeks, <laughs> there were a lot of improvements taking place <laughs> in the infrastructure. But not everybody can put a CEO in the agent seat. So I think a lot of these uh, leadership lessons, yeah, there were some things that happened from a technology perspective, which I'll put aside for a minute, because I think that the... Um, ability to deal with the you know I think there were two extremes in this one set of people were dealing with like the second Christmas season that they had no opportunity to forecast for and interestingly enough in a lot of those e-commerce operations summers often a lull but not this summer there were huge demands put on a lot of those e-commerce operations who also had to be you know crafting work from home and doing you know all of that and then there were other people whose business went from plenty to zero in a matter of weeks really which put a lot of talent into the into the market which I, I think is an interesting sort of uh, I don't know almost uh, you know like backhanded you know benefit like that's that the people who were growing uh really needed a lot of you know a lot of talent because uh the organizational issues were disclosed here um, well i think i i think that's spot on so so you had um talent um uh, becoming available in the labor market kind of artificially driven that but COVID has triggered so many life changes in all of us. I mean, uh, I mentioned be before on our last podcast how we uh, picked up and moved from Chicago to Williamsburg, Virginia. It was just time. It accelerated our timeline on moving uh, warmer and less expensive. But think about the talent inside of uh, a call center organization where you have people grappling with that personally. Do Am I 57 years old and now I'm going to retire early? Does my spouse need to relocate now to follow their job? Um, do I really want to grab, you know, carpe diem and go um, become a guitar player on the corner? You know, we're all grappling with these Melanie's changes. Go for that <laughs> She's not going to let me do that. But um, so think about how disruptive the talent pool for call center organizations has become and 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 will continue for at least you know until late 2021 and i think it's also interesting in that talent pool we've found workforce management resources to be on fire in a way because when you have to go remote, you need a whole new set of plans around that organizational structure in order to support that workforce. And, you know, people should be treating their workforce management team really, 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 really well. Oh, some of those um, um, shift preference uh demands have become so adorable <laughs> well, <laughs> because at home it's way different well and the other thing i think people are facing at the end of the year you know from a, a from an organizational leadership perspective is there was there's a glut of pto out there people aren't 
they weren't going on vacation. There was nowhere to go. So companies now that are facing, you know, either the use it or lose it mentality are facing real challenges with that. Some people who used to, who had use it or lose it are now going to say, no, 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 you can carry over a couple of weeks. So HR, from an organizational perspective, has been faced with this new dynamic that they've never had. (laughs) Oh, and and, and there is so much pent-up need for that PTO because the Wall Street Journal had an article two weeks ago that said that when people went home, they worked more because there was nothing to do. So not only did they not go on vacation, they, they worked an average of like seven more hours a week while they were sitting at home which was great for any of the companies that had you know needed a, a glut of uh of, of help and and um, you know manpower but we're all burned out um it's it's and and so this end of the year is going to be doubly triply <laughs> impacted is that a yes. good word um uh, uh you know i think that the um it was almost like that 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 burst of productivity was like a honeymoon period of work from home it's like oh my goodness look what i can do and i'm so good this is so great no one's interrupting me and then five months later it's like god nobody got nobody to talk to (laughs) nobody's helping me I, i i don't know anybody i don't know any of the new people who've been hired because i don't meet them i don't see you know the ability the leaders who have been able to facilitate that portion of this program so to speak speak are the people whose teams are still connected and delivering on those uh you know those those promises and their and their responsibilities but there's a whole lot of people suffering from benign neglect uh because we've we've removed the village uh you know contact centers are I think have proven through this and I think again the leadership is extremely experienced in managing changing landscapes uh contact centers always you know uh, or tri- historically and uh we can uh, we, we can mention this because this is budget season I always think it's fun when it goes along with Thanksgiving and Christmas um, you know, I can I, I can help ruin your holiday <laughs> by once again this year giving you none of the investment that you're asking for for the call center, which I think might be changing this year because I think even executive leadership has had an opportunity to appreciate the value proposition that the that the contact center is is, is bringing forward. You know, um, it, 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 there's nothing like a, um, a, a raging dumpster fire to get everybody's attention and realize that uh, these investments that we've been putting off or just barely uh, incrementally moving forward, uh, we've now seen, you know, what happens. Well, you see, the, um, the disconnect in execution from a experience perspective that 
in the village if i'm if i'm weak in some learning or in some specialty there are people right beside behind across the hall who can facilitate that so with if we don't replace that if we don't think about what that need is and how we fill that need uh then where we are now starts to now we're, we're like you said we're starting to see the cracks in the uh you know the cracks in the armor a little bit around what is really sustaining these this workforce and contact center people are social i think they're socially minded they're um you know i think what i've seen the a lot of the uh leaders in many organizations have really put time and effort into connecting with their you know with their with their teams with their um with their coaching with their with their let's just call it people uh and sort of human messaging in addition to talking about the work itself well i you know i i think um you hit the nail right on the head your your focus on leadership being the strength and that's an evergreen statement um it's always been that way uh yeah. i when when we were talking uh you know off the air uh i was reminded about a study from the harvard business review and i i want to say it was 1998 and it and it's it's stayed with me all of these years and they did a study and they they looked at companies that went through substantial change um, whether internal or externally driven and then what caused their ability to emerge successfully out of that change so this wasn't uh, necessarily change that was you know uh, uh, moving forward it was something that was imposed upon them and they found out that only um, only 10 percent of the reason they came out successfully was to some hardware they bought you know yeah uh, you know eventually you have to replace a laptop um 40 percent of the reason they went through successful change was software yes getting a better workforce management piece of software getting you know tools knowledge-based tools all the things we'll talk about you know uh, in coming episodes those things are impactful but over half the reason the companies went through successful change was mindware the people inside the organization the leaders and so um it's always been that way i mean we go back you know we all should reread in search of excellence by tom peters oh i love him um management by wandering around mm -hmm. well yeah. how do you wander around somebody's bedroom <laughs> when they're well, working come from on home? now dennis let's not <laughs> That's the reason you never visit your work at home agents alone. <laughs> you always bring someone with you. That's just a little freebie here for the uh, for, for leadership. <laughs> but that, you know, and just as I, I, we're probably going to cover this in another session, but w when you look at work from home, this also had no, when you think of a formal program launch, there's site site visits you know there's making sure you have the space a door none of that there were literally people on their beds 
handling, you know, interactions and transactions for, well, I'm not sure that they're on their beds, but, you know, rumor. Here's the other thing that's really interesting that some people have come across very um, troubled by is people claiming work from home who don't have the, you know, the proper infrastructure and they wind up, you know, once the uh, coffee shops opened, they wound up, you know, using the Wi-Fi in the coffee shops. And now you have a real problem on your hands. Uh, there are, you know, other, you know, people that have a lot of different people that live in the apartment. And if you're handling credit cards and things like that, you've got, you've got some risk associated with those things. So, uh, again, falls, where does it fall? It falls to leadership. All of these things in the contact center that we expect from leadership that have not yet been documented are now showing, you know, we are showing the strain of ratios of supervisor to agents, showing the strain of not having those work, the, 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 the you know, management by walking around, by being present. And from the folks that I've come across they have found the most successful methodology is to be in near constant communication with their team members. But they have to have time to do that. You know, if they're um, handling all kinds of other nastiness because we have lousy systems, uh, you know, then we have another problem on our hands. You know, it, we're we're going to be learning these lessons for months and months and months. And the the companies, the organizations that realize that uh, this isn't temporary, that you can't just transplant things, uh, you know, in whole cloth from the bricks and mortar to somebody's house, they're the ones that are going to succeed. Uh, a lot of this needs just to be redesigned from the ground up. And I think we have to think about, you know, what it's going to take for the leadership in the contact centers to make the kind of cases to the executive, the executive level that need to be made to get the funding into these organizations that they need to have. Because there has been a decade of benign neglect. Uh, and I think that one of the lessons that I want people to learn from the leadership level is learn how to make a case to senior management. Learn how to talk about your value instead of your metrics. Uh, you know, people run around to the executive suite talking about service level and, you know, handle time, and they have no clue what you're talking about. I mean, abandon, fortunately, I get because it's pretty simple math, but it really doesn't tell you anything. So it doesn't tell you anything about the value that, that you bring. It just, it makes me crazy. And that one of the key values, and then I'll, I'll get off the soapbox, but one of the key values is the identification of of contributing factors from other parts of the enterprise as they present themselves as obstacles to the five-star experience. And then they don't fix them. You know, I mean, it's, it's when you look at agents in an e-commerce operation who tell you that nearly half their calls are due to customers who don't know where their shipment is. So they're calling for the, you know, shipping status which should be taken care of by your e-commerce platform. So this isn't a this isn't a call type that the contact center can sell them anything else on. You know, it's a complete loss of revenue. You know, it's it's a margin killer, 
and instead of investing in the in the in the e-commerce platform to bring it to Amazon level they invest in things like oh let's have a callback feature so that the uh, you know it's like it drives me out of my well mind. Uh, you know it's um, it's cliche just how over engineered organizations can get handling a problem and making sure they can handle that problem adequately over the top day after day after day after day and and never solve the problem that causes all right. of this. I mean, I'll tell you, it must have been 30 years ago, maybe, we had some business with one of the big car manufacturers, and we went to the call center and uh, asked, you know, what's your most frequent call type? They said, well, you know, the keys at that time, and one of their models was breaking off in the door, you know, trying to get in the car. So, well, what was it last year? Oh, same thing. You know, it's like you can't, you have to fix the damn things or the people who are taking the calls start to believe you don't really care about what's what's happening. You're not doing anything about what we're seeing. And that should be facilitated by the technology. Technology should be able to point out our weaknesses. The fact that you send people home with a 13 or a 15 inch laptop screen, no camera, maybe not an external keyboard or an external mouse and ask them to navigate across 15 applications and make sure they, you know, do it quickly. And that uh, fully demonstrates uh, how much you value your employee when you do that. And I think that is where the uh, technology weaknesses in this disruption have been very clearly pointed out. Um, even the uh, lack of cameras, which you know then limits the supervisor's ability to actually have a real coaching session with somebody because when you can't see each other, there's a lot that you can miss. Um, and, and just connecting with, with people and looking at what is their, what, is, what, what navigation are they having to, you know, execute on. If we're going to go to a permanent work from home, we need to move the monitors, you know, we need to get them, we need a knowledge base that's not a bunch of FAQs in these dense paragraphs that nobody, that, you know, people on accounting can read those, that's great. Um, but the contact center has a caller on the phone with them at that very moment. You know, I thought I was struck by a number of clients who commented uh, and, and some of our folks observed when people were moving home, they carefully took down the wallpaper, if you will, in their cubicle. All the post-it notes were carefully removed and placed, you know, in their own portable knowledge base, uh, you know, worn out copies of phone numbers, or whatever that hang on the cubes. It, it was kind of, it's like any executive, you know, the senior leaders see it and they want, they would like to have it fixed. Executives should go down and take a look at, you know, imagine if they had to live their lives with a knowledge base from a bunch of post-it notes. Um, it makes things take longer the lack of the village with people to have support for, you know, either handling a call or... And every post-it note is unique. So oh, yeah, there's well... No, have, <laughs> there's no continuity. I have my own way of doing this. It's all the same <laughs> to you. Um, last thing, you know, we had a, a... We were in an organization once. So they had a small group of people handling um, uh, patient calls, making appointments, and 
we asked how the people were trained and the woman said well I have six people so I have them sit with each one of them and then they can sort of decide which you know which method they they prefer so there was no actual way to do things there were a lot of ways to do the same thing which is of course not scalable sustainable I, I know our listeners can't see our faces right now but you can see my face when you said that I was what well and see that's like the, the, the when the people uh, have said to us at speaking of healthcare, you know, practice environments where, and this has happened more than once, where they say, you know, we are so busy and our phones are so very busy. Sometimes our patients actually drive here just to make an appointment. I mean, uh, and they tell you, it's like they think it's a, 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 you know, it's a status thing. It's like, oh, great, that's wonderful. So I think the you know the the leadership is the biggest strength and the technologies beyond the distribution you know because everybody's like oh well we're in the clouds we're fine well you know the cloud distribution is is level one if I can get the calls to a location that's that's a good start but if the location can't handle it because they are missing pieces of what it takes to complete the transaction then you know all of the all of the other stuff is not necessarily going to be optimized because when the plane lands if you can't get the you know the the travelers off the plane then it's just a load of people you know it's not really you know doing anything i'm not sure that's the best analogy but at any rate i think we've reached our half hour it passes I, I think so. very quickly doesn't it it does it does uh we get a little uh get, get a little wound up on our soapbox well i would say that that was um not only informative i think it was fun uh we'd love to hear comments or questions you can direct those to info at powerhouse one that's the digit one dot com we will be back with uh, several more episodes in this series. So thanks for tuning in. Be safe and stay well.